I'm Sean McCambridge, Managing Director of Stellar Recruitment. Thanks for joining me on this journey to uncover the secrets of inspirational leaders. The reason I've put this together is to share the unique journeys of these successful individuals and really unpack how they've achieved success and hopefully inspire others to do similar things. So thanks for tuning in and listening and I hope you enjoy the series. So right, guys, uh, thanks for joining us as part of the Seller Recruitment podcast series. Might just sort of start quickly by a quick introduction. Thanks, Sean. I'm Michael Trussler, and I'm co-founder and co-CEO at Plant Miner and Felix since 2012. My name's Ben Somerville, and I'm the National Sales Manager at Plant Miner, so I handle the sales force and strategy for the marketplace side of the business. I'm Dan Wilson, I'm the general manager of the organisation or the group, I sort of was the first employee of, of the organisation and built up the sales unit and uh, try to oversee things and, and make sure everything stays on track. Now, awesome, awesome. Maybe Michael, you could sort of uh, give us a bit of an overview of the business, where it started, how it started and what does the business actually do? Yep, sure. So, Plant Miner, uh, which is a construction marketplace uh, started in 2012. Um, I'm an engineer by trade and kind of saw a, a need for a marketplace that connected a searcher with a supplier in the construction industry. Uh, so we started that in 2012 and kind of um, got some great seed funding from a good investor and started to build the business and build a sales team. Grew really well kind of throughout 2013 2014 and then we kind of saw a real need in the market from our searcher side of the market from large contractors builders etc um, for a a more enterprise type product that they could use internally and brand to themselves and manage their own marketplace of supplies so we kind of thought that was a great idea after listening to the market and that brought about felix software which is much like Plant Miner, but much more uh, focused on large enterprise clients, councils, government organisations. It's a supplier relationship management software and a source to contract software where Plant Miner is a much more fluid open marketplace where searchers in the construction industry, builders, developers, etc., can go and find subcontractors, plant equipment rental companies, material suppliers, etc. Those two businesses have been working kind of side by side together the last five and a half, six years, it's been a fantastic ride and we kind of feel like we're just scratching the surface even five or six years into it. Every day is still a grind, but we love it. And yeah, hopefully there's some extremely exciting things to come. And the business that operates across Australia, New Zealand, and your customers would include tier one uh, construction companies right through to smaller plant hire companies? Yeah, correct. Like we, on our searcher side of the marketplace, we don't discriminate. Um, you can be from the largest tier ones from uh, Tease, John Holland, CPB contractors, etc., down to small builders and developers who might be regionally based or uh, based here in Brisbane. And then on the supplier side of the marketplace, you've kind of got everyone from Coates Hire and Kennards Hire to Borrow Concrete and then down to kind of your small mum and dad operators who um, like getting the opportunity to bid on work and we'd work from the big and small kind of clients that we do have. And how big is the team currently? 
we are around 55 FTEs um, in Australia and then we've got a couple of offices overseas as well in Asia, in Europe that account for about 25 more employees and that will all both those teams will grow and kind of looking to open up in North America as well shortly. Right. Yeah, just under 80. Fantastic. Mm. Fantastic. Now, Dan, I want to sort of switch the conversation uh, to you for a moment. Now, I understand you and Michael went to uh, Nudgy together. So can you describe this guy when you guys were at school? And uh, in the yearbook, year 12, uh, was, he, was he the guy that was going to be most voted to, to be a millionaire, not to finish his degree? Uh, you know, just give us a bit of a snapshot at that sort of stage of life. Michael and I probably became closer friends after school. Mm-hmm. Probably based on um, on a, our situations, and I was a boarder. Yeah. Uh, Michael was a day boy, so there was a fair bit of animosity between the two. And we used to um, boarders used to give the uh, the day boys a bit of a touch up most lunch times. Um, no, but uh, we're obviously good friends. Michael was always a loud, boisterous guy. You know, was was really into his sport, rowing, AFL, those types of things. So it's really hard for me to um, to sort of describe him at school, other than. You know, we did our own thing and, and we were mates, but not that close. But after school, I think the one of the reasons I sort of gravitated towards being mates with Michael and him to me, other than my parents uh, owning a sheep and cattle station out in Western Queensland, which he loved to go out and, and chase some pigs at, is his, he always had that entrepreneurial flair and spirit was really um, attractive to me, I suppose. There was a, a particular we go over to you know cook each other dinner every couple of you know, couple of nights a week or whatever it may be or a Sunday evening and Michael was always fascinated by inventions you know the the scrubbing brush that you could put detergent into it, was, <laughs> it sort of blew his mind and and then one day he said to me he's like I, there's got to be a better alternative to the existing toilet seat you know like there's has got to be a comfortable more comfortable ride somewhere so I was always really intrigued by his mind I suppose and. Then when he approached me, you know, somewhat in a clandestine method to get me to come on board Plant Miner, <laughs> uh, on the Plant Miner journey, I was really excited just to work with Michael because of that. You know, he always had that entrepreneurial flair. He always thought about things a little bit differently. So I sort of had, I knew at that point, I suppose, to answer your question in some mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. he was going to be destined for success and I wanted to, to jump aboard that bandwagon and it was a good decision that I made. Oh, fantastic. Good answer. Um, just sort of want to touch on how you guys have scaled the business. I mean, it's you know become a, a very successful company in a, in a, in a new space. You, you've attracted uh, some great rounds of investment, including the Queensland Government BD Fund. I mean, what has been pivotal to making this uh, happen? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll probably divert to Michael on that in terms of the, the funding because Mike and Michael... You know, that's their job as the, the co-CEOs to, to really drive funding and, and those types of things. But in terms of an operational sense, yep. um, hiring really good people. I mean, Ben, who's sitting beside me, was a, started as a junior salesperson in 2014 uh, and is now a national sales manager as he introduced himself. And I suppose for me as a, as a general manager... And giving me the ability to work on initiatives and other things, you know, we, we launched Felix, as Michael said, and that's taking up a lot of time and, and building a team around that. I really needed good people around me that I could trust um, for a particular period of time. I felt like I couldn't go on a break or a holiday because I was really worried about the operational aspects of the business. And now, you know, that's the furthest thing away from my mind. You know, I, I don't deal with the day-to-day 
sales operations. I divert to Ben and Michael, who's a head of customer success, got a great marketing team in place. Uh, got a great product team um, that we can touch on a little bit later, but you know, just good people around me has allowed you know, guys to really step up and, and giving them the autonomy to do things has meant that they've really just blown me away with the, the, the progress and, and that's allowing us to scale because it's allowing me to work on the business rather than in the business. And I, and I know Michael and Michael feel the same way. Um, but in terms of the actual um, capital raising and, and keeping giving us the, the ability to scale, it's probably better for, for Michael to answer that one. Within, I think, uh, obviously, particularly in, in the technology world, raising capital is critical to being able to fund growth and a scale of the business. Talk us through how you sort of achieved that right from maybe the early seed funding to obviously where you guys are now a long way down the track. Yeah, so I think the, the capital raising is a huge part of my uh, life and job it's a very interesting <laughs> job role to have sometimes so back in kind of 2012 we literally got some great seed funding off a business plan and some financials and i think my business partner mike who dan was referring to before we uh learned how to pitch reasonably well reasonably quickly um and we learned how to eyeball investors and say, please trust us. <laughs> uh, so that was actually $850,000 worth wow. of seed investment back in 2012, which is pretty unheard of these days for a no minimum viable product, literally a business plan. But we had a great seed investor who backed us as people and we will forever be indebted to him. So like that really got some momentum growing really, really well. We were able to build a product, we were able to build a sales team and really get some runs on the board. And then in, kind of in 2014, we were growing really, really well. And that was a much easier capital raising exercise. I think we raised two, two and a half million dollars in the second kind of round of investment. And when the business is young, it's exciting, it's, you're explaining it to investors for the first time. You've got clients, you've got a great sales team. All the graphs are going upwards. Like it, we almost had to turn people away. That was a really great experience. We kind of chose the best investor possible at that time who were kind of a family office fund, which was fantastic. And they're still with us today and extremely supportive shareholders to this day. And then kind of then you keep growing. And then, then what happens is that you start to uh, learn that scaling really quickly sometimes is inefficient and you go out to a new set of shareholders which are more venture capitalists who've been there, done that, and they kind of pick a lot more holes in your business. So I think in 2015, we went, to, we went out and raised another $3.5 million to keep accelerating our growth, but that was a much more difficult conversation because we started Felix, which is a bit of a pivot, the plant minor growth wasn't as the graphs weren't as steep. There were some holes in the business model and we almost had to go back to share uh, investors and say the story again, back us. Like we know what we're doing here. We're starting Felix. We're really, really confident. And fortunately we got some great shareholders on board in that round as well. Another kind of great family office, et cetera, et cetera. So that was an interesting experience. And then, Year after that, we almost did another round to get some some different investor types on board. We kind of got a big corporate on board strategically. We got a seed investor from Aconex who had kind of been through the Aconex story and kind of saw us as the next Aconex, hopefully, which he's just exited from with the Oracle sale and done 
very well out of and the business development fund from the Queensland government were all, was also in that round. So that was a bit of a, a diversity round for us getting some new shareholders and then it's quite a, a prominent thing in my mind now because we're actually going through capital raising right now which you would probably call a, a Series A which the American VCs love to call it which again has been a really, really interesting conversation because You've got Plant Miner, which has got the runs on the board and it's been going kind of well for five years. And then you've got Felix, which is kind of a couple of years old now. First few really large clients, but not the real runs on the board in regards to users, et cetera, et cetera, and take up that you can kind of go and show and it's an easy conversation. So it's still a, a different conversation. Again, we're talking to another kind of level of funds here. They might be a billion dollar fund who usually invest in publicly listed companies or kind of uh, big, big private family offices and they do not miss you when you're going in and pitching to them. So we feel like we're forever capital raising in a sense because we, we always try and meet as many investors as possible and always try and keep investors up to date with what's going on. But yeah, that's hopefully we will close that round at the end of this month, which is exciting. So that will really accelerate our growth kind of into the next stage of the business, which could be a bigger check from an international VC or even an IPO in Australia, which has been successful for a few tech companies. Fantastic. Yeah, I might throw to you, Dan, just sort of discuss maybe from an operational point of view, further to what Michael sort of touched on uh, from a capital raising point of view, what have been some of the biggest challenges you guys have faced? Uh, I mean, brand new business, you guys are young, business people, I mean, what are some of the challenges you guys have faced and and how have you sort of navigated them? We've always been very good at selling our product, whether it be Felix, whether it be Plant Miner. When we first launched Plant Miner in 2012, launched in 2013, because we were so passionate about it and we effectively only had a PDF and we were a new shiny toy within the industry, there wasn't a marketplace in, in the plant equipment space, in the construction space, everyone wanted to be involved. And they said, this is cool. We know that the industry needs to move this way, so we're in. And then we delivered the product and we were sending leads to clients and those types of things. And we thought everything's great. And as Michael touched on, we had this accelerated growth period where we were record month after record month selling subscriptions, just going great guns. And then it came down to was our product actually delivering value to our clients? And for... A lot of clients, the answer to that question was no. So we had to, we just had to really be conscious of, of how we can deliver value and, and talk to our clients enough that we can actually understand what, you know, from their perspective, what is the value proposition of Plant Miner? What do you want from us? And we thought it was just leads. All they want is leads. We're a lead generation tool. And we've had to uh, roll out a number of new initiatives. You know, we remember back to the, and the guys remember Project CT, you know, and it's project confirmed transaction. Yeah. Now that's currently one of the strongest metrics other than revenue that we, we track or measure our business on. And it didn't come into the organisation until 2015, which is crazy because we just thought by sending a lead to a client, they'd be able to close it out. And you know that what they really wanted, confirmed transaction, yeah. actual revenue. So revenue being resulted to our clients based on the leads that we were generating to return on investment, which is pretty simple. Every business, if they invest in something, whether it be marketing or you know, a new business development manager, they want ROI. So that's what we had to, to do. And it took us a little while to really work out that you know, we couldn't just be a shiny toy in the shed. We couldn't just be a, you know, something that was in addition to their marketing efforts. We had to actually deliver ROI. And 
I suppose in that same breath, another one of the challenges is the construction industry is a little bit behind the times when it comes to technology. And a lot of our clients saw us as a necessary evil rather than as a, a business development tool or you know, something that they could really lean on for industry intel. We actually launched the business in 2012 when the mining downturn started to really kick in. So it's a simple economic discussion, supply versus demand, and, and there was heaps of supply and not much demand, and the prices went down. And given we launched around the same time, we got blamed for the pricing decrease. So, you know, you guys are just a, a marketplace or, you know, you've created this, you know, this downturn in pricing. So we've had to navigate that. Plenty of clients have said to us, you know, we'll be on board, but, you know, we still hope you fail. You, we really value the, the, the handshake. We're a handshake industry. So we've had to navigate that as well. And then the other ones, uh, you know, you have a few unique characters sometimes. You've got to navigate through the challenges, HR challenges. You've got some difficult stuff that you may deal with. But the way that we've navigated those challenges is by hiring well. We've got a great culture. Uh, we hire for that culture. We train our staff well. We reward our staff well. We make them passionate about wanting to work for us. So that's how we navigated that. We have a no dickhead policy. It's actually written on our website somewhere. So one of our clients <laughs> showed me that the other day and said, what are your thoughts on this? And, uh, it, you know, it really has paid us back in spades, you know, good, dedicated, passionate staff. And even though we have been around for six years, as Michael touched on earlier, we still are hardly scratching the service. We're still a startup business. We all come in every day, the three of us, me definitely, I probably can't speak for these two guys, but I come in every day so passionate and excited about coming to work. And I hope that that is displayed in the way that I talk about the business and the passion that comes from me should go on to our staff. And it's all well and good for me to be passionate about it, but as long as they're passionate about it, we're always in a good spot. So again, all those challenges have been you know, alleviated and fixed, I suppose, by having a good dedicated team in place that are as passionate about the organisation as we are. I want to throw to you now, Ben. Uh, obviously, you run a, a really critical part of the business, the sales function within the business. Um, and I know you're passionate about culture as well. So can you sort of describe the culture when you walked into the business and what appealed to you about that and, and then maybe sort of talk about it some years later, what does the culture look like now, whether it's different or not? Yeah, absolutely. Day one's a funny story for me. The place was very, very raw. We were working <laughs> out of the, um, the new stead shed and I was quickly shown to where my plastic desk was and there was an empty space where my chair should have been. So my first <laughs> first job on day one was to actually build my uh, build my chair out of the box. So I knew what I was getting into when I came to Plant Mine and I joined for that sort of raw energy. And the culture was very much about hustle, you know, it's that whatever it takes mentality because literally every sale that was getting made at that time was putting an extra bit of, I guess, track on the railway line towards next month being able to pay the bills. So there was an incredibly high accountability during that period of time. Sure, look, it was really, really stressful coming into work every day because you felt that pressure, but it was a good pressure and for the people who were there who are still with us today, I think we've all hardened and that's hardened into character for us. And they're some of our best employees that we still retain. So um, that's what it looked like then. I mean, we've definitely still maintained a bit of that shell culture. The business has grown, it's matured. Um, and as has our culture. Look, we certainly take a lot more of like a pragmatic view on the way we handle things now, um, as opposed to back then. And I think it really all comes down to sense of purpose. Like that's the key part of our culture. If you can get a whole bunch of people in a room who all believe in the same thing, and for us, we're trying to build something, right? We're trying to build a marketplace which has never been done in Australia before. So if you can get everyone believing into that, that's what drives culture in our place, that's for sure. 
obviously you're dealing with a bit of a melting pot of skill sets. You've, you've got the salespeople, you've got the, the tech team, obviously you've got the, the water sort of support staff and technology in general, and particularly here in Brisbane, given that the market's so immature, you know, Silicon Valley, it's a mature tech space. I mean, how have you gone about being able to, uh, the things you've done to attract people uh, to the business, you know, any perks or things within the culture to, to get people to come and, and stay? Yeah, cool. about that. yeah, absolutely. I think perks and technology often get, or culture and technology often gets defined by the perks. Do you have the ping pong table? Do you do the <laughs> cool events? Uh, do you do breakfast, flexible working hours? All of which we do do, but that's not necessarily what I believe culture is. I mean, again, if I bring it back to that sense of purpose, we hire for people who want to come and work for our company because they believe in what we're doing. That's an absolutely like key factor. In terms of like attracting people, we're always trying new innovative things. Like we're working with you guys here at Stella, obviously. Um, I get out to as many sort of events in the startup scene as possible to try and meet people, pitch what we do and see if they're looking for all like what we do. Um, haven't had much success doing that so far yet, but it's great exposure to find what other companies are doing, what they're doing to attract talent and what their culture is, looks like as well. Yeah. And- Maybe, and obviously you're a good example of it, uh, Ben, but I mean, uh, Dan, have you got any sort of cool examples of people coming to the business? And I know that you sort of empower and support people to sort of advance their careers, but you got any good uh, examples you could share in terms of people that have carved out a career with Plantmont? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the first example is myself. I, I was a mate of Michael's and I came on board as the first employee and was basically given that empowerment to go and build a sales team and actually get this thing out there. And I think Michael's words were, we've got this money now and I don't know how to sell anything. So can you you give us a hand? So I was the first employee and now I'm the general manager managing a team effectively of 80 people across three countries and I'm a shareholder within the organisation. Ben, we've already touched on, came on as a junior salesperson, um, now managing a team of 20 salespeople. Michael Copson, head of customer success, he was a junior BDM and has really come along in, in spades now. He's, he's almost a product manager as well and, you know, he's done great. But everyone in our organisation, I'm such a big advocate for promoting from within. Very passionate about it because it actually gives people an understanding that there is somewhere else to go. If you're in a sales role, you can become an operations manager. Uh, we had a BDM who was promoted to head of BDM and then he came to us and said, you know, I've got real passion for this product. I know how it can improve, but I don't really think that I can contribute that much to it from my current position. What are your thoughts on me jumping into a product management seat? And that was Max Clark. He joined us on the first day of 2014. He's now our sole employee in New York City uh, and he's a product manager. So he, he works on a contract basis from us now. So someone that's gone through the ranks, finished university, we supported him through university, then wanted to become product manager, try something new in his career that would really progress him and increase his skill set. And then he got the travel bug. But again, he had come so far in terms of skill set that we said, well, you're obviously going to go over there and look for a job, whether it be pulling beers or whatever it may be. Would you like to stay on on a contract basis and, um, and, and be a product manager? And our product team love that because They've effectively got a resource working there on American or New York hours, working while we're all asleep, so they can come back in the next day and there's there's actually been tasks been completed and then they can go and do those things. Um, Steve O'Keefe, our head of product, we brought a product manager in. I didn't even really know what a product manager was. I just got told by Mike and Michael that we need a product manager, <laughs> or maybe by Timor, our, our head of engineering. And you know, to be, to be the conduit between our sales force and our development team. So now Steve's got a team of six underneath him, six other product managers, including you know help desk support, 
project management. Another example is Sophia Rostrum. She is our head of marketing. She started with us in 2014 as a um, data entry assistant, uh, which has been fantastic. And just watching her grow, it really, really gets me up and about. Uh, XHR manager, an example of someone who's been able to progress their career, uh, even though they've moved on from the organisation. Sarah Williams, she started also as a data entry clerk. She was doing a HR degree and I said, hey, do you want to do some HR in your part-time? <laughs> so, then was promoted into HR manager and then she now works for a, a large uh, venture capital firm in London as wow. a HR executive, you know. So it's been fantastic. I'm, I'm so passionate about giving people opportunities. We've supported a fair few people through university. We've still got some salespeople that are uh, working full-time or part-time hours and, and going to university on a part-time basis. So we really want to upskill our guys and, and ensure that you know, we're best positioned to grab that talent and keep them once they graduate. So I think that hopefully I've answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's some great examples there, mate. And I can see the passion as you sort of describe it uh, in terms of how much it means to you to sort of see those people sort of advance and, and go on to achieve what they've uh, done. But uh, I want to sort of throw the, the, the conversation back towards Michael and talk about you know, how you've evolved your skill set. I mean, you started with a business plan, some financials, and you got your hands on 850K. Now you've got the significant company, uh, you've raised millions and millions of dollars of capital, uh, all this great opportunity. How have you gone from, how old were you at the stage of raising 850, roughly? Uh, 24. So 24, you got 850K in the bank. Now, the, how old are you now? Almost 30. Almost 30, <laughs> so you know, maturing quickly. Uh, how have you gone about developing your skill set? Yeah, it's a really uh, interesting one to answer because I don't think that in that six years, I've never gone to a, a course or a class. I haven't done my MBA. Um, I think I'd probably fail it. Uh, but I think it's the accumulation of every day and every meeting and every interaction I have with someone that you kind of, whether you like it or not or whether you know it or not, you're building the skills and listening and learning. I think I've become a lot more accustomed to it in the last couple of years, definitely having the opportunity to meet other founders and CEOs, um, heads of family offices, some of the most famous entrepreneurs in Australia. Um, and I think it's that accumulation of skill set that you kind of learn every single day. And even kind of, I love now walking into a product meeting of ours and I've got these two guys in the room with me, Steve O'Keefe, T-Boy, my business partner, Mike, and I'm like, there's no way I am in the top percentile of smartest people in this room, <laughs> which makes you feel really comfortable. And like, I learn off them. But yeah, and I think that some other things that have been really great are kind of mentors over the years. And it's a lonely place at the top of a company sometimes. And I'm so lucky that I have a business partner, Mike, or I console with every day but kind of I look at you Sean or other guys uh, guys and girls who I know that run companies who are CEOs and founders by themselves and I shake my head saying how do you do it but kind of literally catching up with people who have been there and done that on a weekly basis and I just sit there and, and you literally talk and I talk through my struggles and listen to what they have to say and I've really found that if I make the effort to go out and talk to them and organize a coffee with them or ask them for a hand, people are really willing to give. And I think that's something that I've learned along the journey too now, that I now get approached by people 
who are starting businesses or what have you or send you a Facebook message out of blue saying, and I, I feel like I kind of want to give back in that way as well. But it's a very interesting one that I still learn from those that you may see as below you in, in, in a skill capacity because yeah, it's very interesting to keep learning from the passion that someone has that it's starting a business kind of from scratch straight away. Um, and it's, it's kind of good to go back on the lessons you've learned also, but yeah, an accumulation of, of skills is what I'd say. It's no one course and no one person, but if there is a course or person out there, let me know. <laughs> no, well, I think it's a great answer because as Dan sort of described initially, um, in terms of your character, uh, I think you seem to be uh, an inquisitive person and mm. I think, uh, you're obviously inquisitive about how the technology or your solution can evolve to better meet your, uh, your clients' needs, but I think you're also inquisitive about what makes people tick and can you learn from different people, whether it's staff or people outside of the business. And I think, you know, just that cumulative development of knowledge or uh, experience from other people and you're sort of, you're learning the whole way along. Yeah, and I think that I net, I have a lot of meetings that don't go anywhere. Like they won't go to a next meeting, they won't go to a next coffee or it's a dead end, but I always try and get something out of that that meeting or interaction and always try and either compare it to something else I remember it or kind of write it down or what have you and I always try and kind of accumulate that uh, wealth of knowledge from other people in every interaction you have every day. Fantastic. Uh, Ben, obviously you guys have hit a lot of goals on the journey. I mean, what are some of the cool things you guys have done as an organisation to sort of celebrate some of those things? You guys work really hard as you talked about before. So... Can you share any of the, the things you've got, you guys have done as a team as a result of some of those, uh, those uh, wins along the way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the beauty of being such a young company is that there have been so many milestones. You know, back in the day, it was sales records month after month. We've had birthdays, end of financial year is always a fun time for us. It's pretty much sales Christmas. Um, yeah. But look, we do everything from like a whole team level right down to sort of granular small teams too. So whether it's taking an employee out for coffee to celebrate their birthday, whether it's celebrating with a team after a really good quarter and take them all offside. Went to Lake Catharaba, went for a full day out, did um, like a planned out treasure hunt by our HR. But it was one of those really good team building ones where you bring some very diverse teams together, like your product, your tech, your sales guys, you put them into that mixing pot you're talking about. And sometimes really good ideas can come out of those when you blend them all together. So look, yeah. We do do a lot of events, whether it's small ones or big ones. So talk to us, uh, do you guys do like a, uh, is it a coffee morning or a breakfast morning every so often where you sort of bring the broader team together? So you've obviously got diverse people in your business, but do you bring them all together for your coffee sessions? Yeah. you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. We have Wolf Wednesday. We've got a, um, a coffee shop that's down the road. So once a fortnight, we bring the entire team down there for a coffee, sure. which is a good half an hour when you can basically talk shop with everyone, find what they're working on at the moment, what's going on in their life. Cool. Um, quite often you'll see people from different departments having a conversation, which they might not have in the office when everyone's sort of got their heads down. Um, I personally try and take the individual sales teams out for a breakfast once a fortnight as well. It's a really good way to sort of take a shot when you're outside of like a work context, find out what's going on in their lives yep. and really sort of continue that drive. Yep. So it's a great way to sort of stay connected with your team outside of the sort of work environment or keep the, the team sort of connected irrespective of what department they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it helps us as leaders, managers, it helps keep us authentic as well. Yeah, cool. I mean, sorry, just to add, I think that... All, uh, celebrating the personal wins in people's lives as well like we've had people go through and finish university which are huge things in people's lives like we people buy new cars which might be huge in their life we had archie um the other day as a long-term bdm uh have a first child and he kind of 
sent that photo around to the group and like you really celebrate those personal things in people's lives like work is work but work is our lives as well like we spend so much time there and it's it's kind of good to know that people want to be able to celebrate that um the wins and losses like we've had some sad times in the office as well and kind of everyone gets around each other and i think that's really important as well I think there's some other simple things, you know, like we get together once a month and have a, a month, month in review and that's, you know, we have a few beers around the office and heads of departments speak about what went well, what didn't go well, challenges. We celebrate everyone's birthday that, that, that had a birthday and have a few beers and some snacks and some cake or whatever it may be. If, if a lovely recruiter's brought us in some donuts, we share those around <laughs> to the guys or something like that. So, but also, and I know, I know, I know that's not a perk question really, but, um, you know, with our tech and product teams, they're probably a little bit um, more mature in terms of age than our sales unit. But things that are important to them are their families, and a lot of them have got young children. Um, so once a week now, they work from home. And that's a reward for their efforts as a team and, and the fact that they can be trusted to, to, to be at home with the setup and they get that extra half an hour with their kids of an evening and you know kids come home from school at 3 30 and they're, they're there to greet them and all those sorts of things and i think that's a really important one for them particularly because they love coming to the office and being collaborative but they also get that you know one day a week where they've got some extra time to, to spend with, the, with their kids and their families and all those sorts of things so i think that's something that's not as a team but you know it's something that they've earned as a team so i think it's important to reference no, it's good, uh, good insight, and I think uh, whilst it's, uh, it sounds pretty straightforward as a thing to do, the reality is not many organisations do that. No, like, absolutely. And they have the flexibility or the trust to be able to enable their uh, team members to sort of do the things that's going to work well for them in their life, and I think often that means a lot more than necessarily just the dollars and cents, uh, and that further to maybe the sense of empowerment and uh, the opportunity to progress your career, um, obviously things that work really well for you, and, and obviously your team appreciate that, but... Um, I want to sort of switch back to Michael. Uh, you talked about the fact that you know, whilst you're only a, a relatively uh, short period of time in, you've achieved a lot. You feel like you're just scratching the surface. So, can you give us a bit of a sense of what your vision is for the company as you sort of look out to the medium to long term view? Yeah, I think our vision for the company is to build a company that is remembered for doing something and for doing something, I suppose, good. And I think. We always say we want to build a software and an organisation that changes the construction and infrastructure industry in Australia and across the world. And that's a really big thing to say, but a lot of companies, kind of tech, other tech companies that might build apps that people use once a day or what have you, but we're literally building a software that is going to change the way that Australia is built. And I think that's a really um, big thing to grasp, but we're already there and doing it. Like on the Westgate Tunnel project down in Melbourne, it's a $5 billion project. And that's our software is being used to help build that project in a much safer way, um, in a much more cost effective way, in a much more efficient way. And it's making people's lives better by using the software. And I think that having the vision of every day everyone coming to work and they're working towards building an organization that's going to be remembered for kind of changing one of the biggest industries in the world is something definitely to aspire to and a real company vision like we often joke and say we want to have a book written about us but that's the kind of way we kind of set our goals as in 
kind of if everyone comes to work every day and has that vision, we'll kind of slowly get there. And in on big projects across Australia, it's already happening. So we've just kind of got to nail and scale that. That's no, uh, awesome. I mean, just give the listeners a bit of a sense for how big the market is. I mean, how big is that market that you're pursuing? Yeah, so I think in Australia, there's about $350 billion of money that's spent on infrastructure and construction every year. Um, across the globe, that's in the trillions. And it's built in an extremely inefficient, uh, not very safe, not very cost-effective way at the moment, extremely headcount driven and that's where the huge opportunity is like the construction industry is so far behind the other sectors kind of in the world in regards to technology i think farming and hunting for example are the only two industries behind construction so it is a it's a huge huge industry it's a huge spend um, that we are tackling and that's that's kind of the enormity of it and that's why it's so exciting to be in this space it's a massive opportunity. I, I want to sort of sort of reflect back now. I mean, obviously, as we touched on before, you're only 30, uh, you're six years in, but if you were to look back knowing what you know now, do it all over again, what would you do differently or what advice would you give yourself, mate? Yeah, it, I give this, <laughs> yeah, that's an easy one because I give the advice to yeah. people that I, I don't mentor them, yeah, people yeah. I go and have a coffee with or what have you, and it's laser your focus. Yeah. Like, at the start, we... We thought we were going to be a lot bigger and wider than we actually were. We came back with all the wireframes to build the website with all these features that never ever got used and we thought they were the best features ever. So it's, I give the advice to everyone, it's absolutely lazy focus as to who your customer is, exactly what your customer wants and build that exact product don't go and build any cool features don't go and broaden the scope of what they want in five years time absolutely nail that right now and build kind of that minimum viable product and that if you stay on that path and you don't deviate from that and you just keep focusing every day on nailing exactly what your customer wants then you uh you will i think do well you kind of i see it in every new founder's eyes that they come in with a list of all these cool things they want to do and build and change the world. And it's kind of like, all right, you've got 20 grand left in the bank here. Let's kind of sit down and nail exactly how you're going to get through the next 30 days. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really good answer because I think uh, I, I sort of refer to it as the entrepreneurial curse. I think when you see opportunity everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, you can pursue that, but there's an opportunity cost, right? Yeah. But if you sort of stay laser focused on the stuff that's most meaningful or true to what you're trying to achieve, Obviously, you make a lot more momentum as yeah, a result. Hundred and be the be the best in the world at what you're trying to be. Like, don't be second or third best, or don't try and be kind of tenth best across a hundred different things. Absolutely nail what you're trying to do and be the absolute best. At it. And be confident enough to walk into a room and say, "Hi, this is our company, Plant Miner Felix, and we're the best in Australia and across the world at what we do." Now, awesome. Look, I'm just going to finish with one final question. I mean, you guys have achieved so much in six years, got a bright future. There's a massive market for you guys to go after and and uh, and uh, obviously implement your, your solution to, to that market that uh, is obviously got a big need for efficiencies and use of technology to better organise how it operates or interacts. But if you were to quote one thing that you're most proud of in the plant miner plant journey so far, what would it be and why? 
for me, definitely, which Dan has touched on before, it's seeing the growth of people, both their in their work life and their personal life of people we've employed, um, kind of kids out of McDonald's drive-through or what have you, who have now come into our organisation. We have taught them the skills. They have built a career path. They've gotten married. They've bought a house. They're kind of now head of a a sales team of 20 people, which I'm referring to Ben sitting beside me here, which I think that's his exact story. Married, bought a house. (laughs) (laughs) A lot more uh, of your way through life than I am. And that's, for me, that's the biggest thing. I can only do so much. I... I uh, I kind of have great faith in those below us and when they step up and kind of grow both personally and in their work lives, that's my biggest my biggest kick out of it, definitely. No, fantastic. Well, look, uh, you know, I guess having known you guys for a while now, you certainly pick up that passion for your people and you walk into the office, there's a vibe, there's an energy there and obviously we've been lucky enough to get to know a few people that work with you guys. So I think it definitely comes across as a genuine focus in that regard. But... Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys being part of the podcast uh, today. Uh, congratulations on what you guys have achieved and really look forward to seeing what the, the next chapters look like, but I'm sure it'll be uh, very successful. You've, you've done some wonderful stuff. So thanks for joining us, guys, and congratulations. Awesome. Thank thanks you for your time.